I'm glad that you're here uh, physically because for two weeks we uh, shut down just to be extra, extra safe. And uh, it really wasn't even necessary, but we did it uh, just to uh, make sure everybody was safe. And then uh, so hopefully uh, those of you, especially on Facebook, but if you didn't see it last week, the sermon from the tractor. So uh, that was really uh, good. We knew uh, um, and, and I wasn't sure about where I was, in fact, that I might have been exposed as, uh, as well, so I was being extra careful. So uh, Pastor Andy, who was just a wild man under the surface, I'm just telling you, he didn't mind being up close to me, so he came over to record. And we started talking about, where can we go? I said, well, we can go to my neighbor's barn. He said, he don't mind? I said, no, nope, he don't mind. So on the way out, I yelled over to him and said, yeah, go ahead. And later that week, he asked me, uh, Pastor Andy said, were y'all just sightseeing or looking at the view? I said, no, we recorded a whole sermon up there. Really? I mean, he didn't know. So I got comments because I sat on the, a tractor for a part of it. And uh, so I, if, I just hope piqued your interest so you go listen to it. Uh, but uh, we're glad you're joining us online or, or hearing the service. But man, I miss being together. And let, let me just say, I don't know if anybody said it because I was back there shaking because I had to do baptism. But um, uh, you, you heard the governor's announcement or the news of it on Friday, and you said, are we, we going to get a, re no, <laughs> right behind that, we're part of a great, great religious organization called the Southern Baptist Conservatives of Virginia. They shot out a letter to all of us saying the governor let them know that churches are exempt from that order. So we can meet. We are not in danger. I was going to meet anyway, but I don't have to worry about it now, okay? So uh, I don't think they'd come for you, but I don't think they'd come for any of us. But uh, anyhow, uh, just want to let you know, put your minds at ease that are here, those who are listening. Uh, and if you don't know what order I'm talking about, starting today, uh, you can no longer go into a restaurant with more than 25 people, blah, blah, blah. I can't go anywhere with more than 25 people inside a building um, out of an abundance of caution uh, because the COVID cases are going up. So uh, that's where we are. But I just want you to know, relax. We're good. We are we're cleansed. We are not, we don't have to go around crying out, unclean, unclean. We're all, all okay in here. And uh, so glad that you're here. I, we've been in this series about thankful, thankfulness for God's gift and using 2 Corinthians 9, 15, leading up to Thanksgiving, that to, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift, uh, that it's beyond description because his unspeakable gift is Christ and salvation in Christ. And, and at the beginning here, I just have to admit, because I've heard preachers preach sermons that I knew they stole from somebody else, and uh, I'm going to do that this morning. It's not actually a sermon I stole, but a, a kind of a little devotion I stole from Chuck Lawless. Um, you might not know that name, but Chuck and then Lawless. He's head of uh, all doctrinal studies at Southeastern uh, Seminary. And uh, he does a daily devotion and a daily, I, I hate, hesitate to call it a blog because he doesn't write about a lot about what he thinks, but just a list of reasons or things or hints about different things. And this week, he wrote about 10 sins that, are, that is hard for a Christian to confess. And, and he was saying out of his own life that he's found this to be true. And I thought about, hmm, if we have those unconfessed sin, that is a hindrance to being thankful. And so, I developed this sermon from that thought, and I wanted to draw your attention to Psalm 100, verse 4, uh, for today's sermon, and calling it Obstacles to Thanksgiving. And that is, enter his gate with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. There's no way you can be blessing God, thanking God, if there is a hindrance in your life or an obstacle uh, to that thankfulness in your life. And so... 
I just want you to think about it this way. Progress toward any goal can be blocked by an obstacle. And thankfulness is no different. If there's something between you and being thankful to God, you're not going to be thankful. So I want us to consider these things. And to just lay some background, you can look in your Bible in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, or write that down and look at it later, because it says this, And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. It's a command. He didn't say, and think about being thankful, try to be, he said, and be thankful. And so the Bible instructs us, we read it in Psalm 104, to enter his gates with thanksgiving. He says it in Colossians 3.15 and many places in the Bible. It talks about us being thankful. So I don't want you to think thankfulness is really an option. It really is not. It's a command. We ought to be thankful. And secondly, I want you to understand thankfulness is actually a good idea. I mean, it, there's a lot of benefits to it, but, but I think about that in Romans 121 because listen to the opposite of being thankful, what the Bible says. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. The reason that we see in our society today so many people that we think are anti-God or anti-Christ, uh, they're not anti-religion, everybody's got a religion. Their religion can be no religion. That's a religion. They are devoted to saying there, we should not, there is no God. In fact, they'll fight you over it. I never knew anybody fight you over something that they say isn't even true. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? But they will. And, and so every person, evolution is a religion. It takes more faith. I don't have enough faith to be an evolutionist. I mean, that takes more faith than it does to be a Christian because it's illogical and unprovable and doesn't make any scientific sense at all. And so in Romans 121, it says when we're unthankful to God, our hearts and our minds are darkened because it is in the presence of God that we see light. In the Psalms, it says, in your light, we see light. And so if you're not studying God's word and in his word, you don't see the light of God. But it is in his light that you begin to see light. The Bible says in Corinthians, these things, the world can't know them because they are spiritually discerned. We begin to see behind the scenes. We see behind the curtain. We see that God at move in all of human history. You know, we, 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 we are living in a weird time. Everybody talks about 2020 being weird. Well, it is. It's kind of weird for the United States, not as weird for the rest of the world, but kind of weird for us. Uh, you know, we've had this thing happen, that thing happen. We couldn't even begin to count them all. And we think of it as, as so odd and strange. But as Christians, we can take a step back from all that and say, what is God up to? God is doing things in all of these things to bring together his perfect will. Amen? And so for the Christian, we're not so rattled and shake, shook, shaken. Yeah, shaken. I started to say shook. Shaken by what's going on in the world. Because we know there's, a, there's somebody behind it. And it's God himself, our Father. And so thankfulness is not only a command, but it's also a really good idea. Because when you're thankful to God, you're acknowledging God. You're listening to what he's saying. And you're getting his insight on those things. And thirdly... I want to come uh, and say that unthankfulness is a sign of the end of time. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about it in those terms, but in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
verses 1 and 2. And actually, when I got to reading that part of the Bible, I wanted to put the whole chapter in here. So I'm going to stop at the second verse when it gets to the word I need. But I invite you to write down 2 Timothy chapter 3 and go home and read it all. But listen to this. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, and unholy. A lack of gratitude is a, and widespread lack of gratitude is a sign of the end of times. When people say, there is no God, we did this ourselves, we, we don't need God, we, we got it ourselves, you know, we can, we can handle that. Science will save us or politics will save us or anything else will save us. We have become ungrateful to God who we trust to take care of us and to make all things happen according to his will. And so I come to these 10 sins that could possibly hinder our thankfulness to God. And they're very subtle, especially in the Christian life sometimes. Some of them just by nature are subtle to us. Uh, but, but sometimes we don't recognize them. You know, uh, the Bible says, Lord, show me my secret sins or hidden faults, according to what version of the Bible you're reading there. That idea that there are things in our life that sometimes we don't even recognize. Blatantly, you know, if I said, what is sin? Y'all can start naming things, and you would name stuff you're not guilty of. I know that. When, when you're naming sins, you never name the one that applies to you, Right? And uh, you, you always, you always uh, blame, say what your neighbor does. That's, oh, that's sin. Actually, Romans 1 and 2 teaches us that the thing that people criticize and blame others for is revealing their heart. It's what they have going on in their own heart. And so a lot of times you can tell what's going on in somebody's life by just listening. But Exodus 23 says this, you shall have no other gods before me. And so from that, we get idolatry. We, we should not make idols. But for us Christians, sometimes we don't realize that we worship a building. I, I, if you came in here and radically did something in certain spots or buildings, listen, if somebody donates something to the church, you might as well gild it and set an altar up to it. You know, I saw a cartoon one time. People couldn't get in the front door because the bushes had overgrown the door. And they were asking, why don't you trim the bushes? And he said, we can't. Somebody donated those. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it, we get to that level where all of a sudden they didn't give it to you. They loaned it to you until they die. And sometimes churches are away for people to die. And then they get rid of the stuff people donated because they can do it while they're living. You don't think we have idols? Of course we do. We worship people. We have a celebrity culture. In the, within Christianity, we worship certain preachers and teachers. I'm not... I'm using that term very loosely, and I hope you understand what I mean. There, listen, there are some great men that I love to listen to, obviously. But, uh, but, but we get this worship culture. Those men are just men. And, and they are doing what God called them to do, and thank God for them. And we ought to learn from them, but not all of them. Another sign there in Timothy of those last days are people that are not teaching the truth. And we've got plenty of that going on as well so we ought to be careful so be careful about making an idol out of anything it could be a person it could be a thought there's a thought that you won't let go of you want to worship that thought you you cling to that God says this and you believe that and you will not let go sort of like that you know I met those people in church they preacher I know what I believe don't try to confuse me with facts you know that person or I, I literally have read the Bible to people and said I don't care what that says you know, that's when you back up and go, Lord, I'm out of the target range right here, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of crazy. 
We ought to all be bowing before what the Bible reveals to us that we ought to be doing. And sometimes we, well, we'll come to this idea later probably, but we kind of have the idea of, well, we can ignore that part as long as we're doing this part. But yet we have to obey the whole Bible. So we can make idols out of a lot of things in our life. And we ought to think about that very clearly. What comes between me and God that I will worship that before I worship God? And you may not bow down to it, make an altar, as we often think of in idolatry. But, it, but you will do that rather than obey God. Secondly, is a, an ego. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul, who, who wrote in uh, Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, many say, oh, his letters are weighty, but it's his presence is weak. And, and people thought that Paul was a proud man and an arrogant man. But here's what Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Paul recognized that his ability to preach the gospel and the doors that got opened was because of God's grace in his life, and he acknowledged that. Because another place that I was a murderer, I, was, I, I, was, I, I, I did all these things against God, and yet God in his mercy saved me, placed me into this ministry so that I could... Uh, serve him in truth and sometimes we let our ego get in the way we start think we're important that we're the we're the the center of the universe everything revolves around us that's easy for us to do and and many of us do that but there paul says it's by the grace of god i am what i am i'll give you a way that you don't see ego and that's the person that says oh it's nothing i'm nothing well wait a minute paul didn't say that he said by the grace of god i am what i am i am what i i'm I'm going to give you the truth. And Paul, man, he was smart and he's hitting it hard. But he said, but that's not me, that's God working in me. That's true humility. It's a false humility to say, oh, I can't do that or that's nothing. No, it's something. God, God did that through you. Just give glory to God for it. Don't take credit for yourself. Don't think you're that. I mean, God spoke through a donkey. What makes me think I'm so important? I mean, you can pull a, a burrow up here if, God, if it was God's will and he could preach this better than I could. If that were God's will. Amen? You can say amen to that. You know, and so it was described this way, speaking of donkeys. Remember uh, the triumphal entry? What was Jesus riding? And what were people saying? Hosanna, glory. That donkey would have been crazy to think they were talking about him. If God uses you, you're just a little donkey God's riding. Amen? And don't be so proud, man. And, and so Paul got that balance. He said, look, yeah, God's using me, but it's not me, it's God. He says, but I work hard at it. I don't let go of that. I keep after it, which we'll come to the opposite of that later. Selfishness. Luke 9, 46. An argument arose from them as to which of them was the greatest. You know what had happened just before this? They started arguing about who was the greatest. What had just happened is some of them were on the Mount of Transfiguration. They come into a valley and out of all 12 apostles, none of them could cast the demon out of a little boy. And the next thing they do is argue about who's the hot shot. It took Jesus to cast out the demon, and they start saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the best. No, I'm the best. No, I'm the best. None of y'all could do it. What are you arguing about? None of y'all could make it. You three just saw Jesus glorified on the mountain, and now you're arguing about which one's the greatest in the presence of the greatest? Are you crazy? We do that, though. We get, we get so selfish, and, and we, we want all the accolades and all the glory for ourselves. And 
and and we get a little bit jealous when other people accomplish more than us or or are doing better than us it seems to us another sin that can block us being just thankful to god is lukewarmness now some of these sound very similar and and they indeed are in second timothy 1 6 paul says to timothy for this reason i remind you to fan into flame the gift of god which is in you through the laying on of my hands Paul is letting Timothy know, you got a gift from God and you've let that fire burn down and it's just, it's just a little glow. You need to fan back into flame the gift that God's given you. You have a gift from God. Now, you don't fan the Holy Spirit back into flame. I, I, I get that. Don't, don't misunderstand. But Timothy had a gift that was laid on him and he wasn't exercising the gift that God had given him to do what he was supposed to do. And Paul says to him, Timothy, you need to fan that into flame. God's already put the gift in you and you've just let the fire die down. Many of us, if we were honest, would have to say that we're not walking as closely with Christ as maybe we did in the past. In Revelation 3, Jesus says this to a church. I know your works, you're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. There's been a lot of new teaching on this, and I say new, just, I mean, modern, that is accurate and that had been misunderstood before. Because many times we'd read that and say, oh, Jesus would rather you be cold toward him or hot toward him, but he hates it when you're just taking him kind of casually. But in, in reality, the church he's addressing, there were two springs. There was a hot one and a cold one. The cold one refreshed, the hot one healed in their thinking. He said, I'd rather you either be refreshing or healing, but all this in between that, you know, when the two get together, it's neither one's good for either, either thing. And in fact, in that same passage, not to be gross, but this is exactly what Jesus said to John to write down to that church, you make me want to throw up. He said, I would throw you up out of my mouth. We, King James made it spew you out of my mouth, and we can sound very elegant saying it that way, but he means you make me want to puke when you're lukewarm. When you don't either refresh or heal. When you don't pick up the brokenhearted. When you don't help a struggling brother. When you don't do what I've called you to do. And all of that comes about because of our lukewarmness. Because we, we are nothing for God. And another one very close to that is apathy. Matthew twenty four twelve, And because of lawlessness... And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. He says that our love will grow cold because of all that we do see. And it's an apathy. It's, it's not that we mean for it to grow cold. We just kind of let it slip. The next one is going to really tie into this more and, and help with this idea. But apathy is just, a, eh, it's okay. No, we don't have to do that. Oh, it's, it'll be all right. We'll just do it that way. It'll be fine. It's, a, it's an inattention to detail. It's a, it's a relaxed attitude about the reason what we're, why we're doing what we're doing and what we are doing. We, we should not be apathetic. And, it, and that leads into greed. Ephesians 4.19, they've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. In 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, that was Ephesians 4.19. In 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. We desire a lot of stuff in this world, but we are not content with God and what he gives us. We're not content to trust him and to just say, Lord, whatever you want me to have is fine. I'll take, I'll take what you got for me. 
but we want to be like that guy or this person or we want their gift or their ability or their talent. I mean, it doesn't actually bother me that I don't sing well. I mean, I, I wish I did sing nicely, but I heard one, one guy told me one time, he said, God didn't let me sing well because if I did, I'd force myself on people. I say, sit down there and listen to me sing, you know. And sometimes we're like that, right? We're, oh, I wish I had that gift. But you know why you don't have that gift? Because you'd misuse it. God gives gifts as appropriate for you. And so if God's given you the gift, use it because you've got a better capacity to say, hey, this isn't me, this is Christ. It is by his grace I am what I am. So don't be greedy. And then laziness, Ephesians 4.28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Notice the reason for labor, so that you have enough to help somebody else. That's God's motivation for us to work and to work hard as a church, is to have something to give people who are in need. We show God's grace by giving away. And, and this church doesn't have this problem, um, and in this, and, and this community, I don't think we have this problem much. But, but so many times, we want to charge the world to do God's work. Have you ever noticed that? We want people to pay to hear what God wants them to hear. And the church ought to be about giving it away and giving it away and giving it away. And so the only get something to give away by not being lazy, by not being greedy, by not being apathetic. And then, okay, let me take a drink of water because I'm going to quit preaching and go to meddling. It's going to be hard to say it. Gluttony. Hits me hard. Proverbs, just because you're skinny doesn't mean you can't be a glutton. Proverbs 23, 20, 21, be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty. And slumber will clothe them with rags. Ooh. I don't know if you ever noticed, but he said overeater is the same as a drunkard. And many a fat preacher have been preaching against people drinking. Thank you. I'm telling you, man, it's tough. I'm, I'm getting older. It gets tougher. And, and I, my, I got a whole branch of my family. They don't have the off button when it comes to eating. I don't, I don't feel full gluttony. Wow. But see, that speaks to more than just food, even though food's part of it. It speaks to wanting so much of what God has provided for ourselves. You can't share it if you ate it. If you consumed it, that's what he says in James. You pray, but you don't get it because you want it to consume it on yourself. When's the last time you prayed for a million dollars so you could send a million dollars to missions? When's the last time you asked God to make you successful so you'd have more to give to, away? There was a man who founded a, a school. It's still named after him. Laterno was his last name. And he started a business. He's a Christian man, and he, and he wanted to bless uh, people and so he told God I'm going to start this business and I promise you whatever I make I'll give 10% to you and the business failed and he went broke he went hmm well maybe God wants me to do more so he said okay God I'm going to start another business and I'm going to give you 20% and it failed and he went broke and he said wow well I'll give a third so Lord I'm going to start another business and whatever I make I'm going to give 30% to you and it failed, and he went broke. And he said, all right, God, I'm, I'm tired of figuring this out. Tell me how much you want from me. He said, 90%. Now, I don't know what Letourneau said back to God, and I'm just telling the story. But he said, okay, eventually. And guess what? By the end of his life, he was giving away 95% of what he made. He became a multi-gazillionaire rich person 
and started a college that still trains people to go into missions. I'm not saying God's telling you to give away 90%, but you ought to give away what God tells you to give away. And keep for yourself what God tells you to keep. And then the very sin of ingratitude. In Luke 17, the whole 12 through 19 is a long story. I won't even read the passage except for this part. It's when Jesus heals the 10 lepers and they're crying out, Lord, have mercy on me. And they went away cleansed. And one, when he saw he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. We've covered this recently as well. But Jesus answered, Weren't, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? But see, that foreigner who Jesus should not have even talked to and Jesus healed him, he got what a great gift it is. I think if you're like me and you grew up in church, I don't know how else to put it, and I don't mean this maybe 100%, but you get used to Jesus. There was a, there was a great evangelist, and they asked him, how come he never lost the fire? He said, because I never got over it. Never got over being saved. Never got over that God would save him. And he spent his entire life just saying thank you to God with his life. And ingratitude leads us to forget the gift God has given us. When you are saying thank you, you're remembering the gift that God gave. And the tenth one, I maybe should have stopped on ingratitude, but the tenth one is unconcern. Romans 9, 3. Here's Paul's desire. I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. We'll throw money at missions, but how many of us are genuinely concerned about the lost? My, my brother-in-law and sister are visiting with us, and we were remembering the old days of the church we grew up in. And, and we were remembering the, the, the time when the color barrier in our church was broken. We were there. And, it, and, and in fact, the, the, the young man that looked different than me that was saved and came in. He's a pastor today. He's preaching, I think, in Texas. Isn't that right? Out in Texas. Freddie Vernon is his name. And the pastor knew it was going to happen, and he knew people were going to be mad. So he asked all the deacons to come pray in the corner while the invitation was going on. People were getting saved like crazy. And Freddie came on down, and we were all there. Yeah, praise the Lord. And this one old deacon didn't like it, got up and started. And the pastor said, brother, sit down. <laughs> he didn't let that happen. Thank God. And I, I used to say, I've seen people in prayer meetings cry crocodile tears over the lost little children of Africa, but wouldn't let one of them attend the church. You better think about how you think about other people. You hate Muslims? How are you going to lead them to Christ if you hate them? You know, I changed that on you, didn't I? You're like, yeah, yeah, we're over that. Praise the Lord. He's not preaching to us. now. We, we, we always get that in our head. People cut you off in traffic. Maybe you don't like them so much. Had a guy flipping me off the other day. He blew the red light pull out in front of me. And he's yelling at me. I'm like, just smiled at him. I'm like, okay. Good. I know I'm number one. Thank you. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. If you're here today, sorry, but you pull out in front of me. I didn't mean to scare you. I, I never could figure that one out. But we are unconcerned about people who are lost. I mean, I could have yelled back at him, but what if I did get a chance, chance to ever witness to him? Yeah, I remember I kind of cut you off in traffic, and you yelled at me. 
I just smiled, waved, God bless you. That's by the grace of God, I am what I am, because that ain't in me. I'd run him down. You're below. That's called road rage, right? That's the sin. We are unconcerned about the loss. There are at least five billion, maybe six billion, maybe even more people in the world that do not have the opportunity to hear the name Jesus Christ. And we just commission these boxes, and they do. They get into some places you and I can't go. And there are some other places maybe we can't go, but are we brokenhearted over that which breaks the heart of God? And sometimes, I don't know if I would mentioned your brand in these sins that so many of us find ourselves guilty of in our own life. And I don't say that, any of that in arrogance. Those are things I have to look at and go, Lord, am I this way? And too many times the answer is yes. So here's what I'd encourage you to do. Define for yourself, how are you thankful to God? How are you thankful to God? What do you intentionally say to God every day? More than just, oh, thank you, Lord. But intentionally be thankful for his great gift. And then I would say, strive to be characterized by Christ, not that list that we see in the last days we found in 2 Timothy chapter 3 of those that, that have gone out of God's will. We ought to be strive to be characterized by the fruit of the Spirit that dwells in us. Love and joy and peace and patience and long-suffering and goodness and kindness. And then this is where the rubber hits the road. I invite you and all of us that can hear this to identify and confess where God has exposed that sin in your life. In fact, bow your head, close your eyes. I would invite you right now to pray this simple prayer. Lord, show me my secret sin. Show me what I need to confess. Show me right now so that I may turn to the cross and put the sin behind me and look at the sacrifice you poured out on the cross where you were beaten and scourged and took a crown of thorns, where nails the size of railroad spikes or bigger were nailed through your wrist and your feet, where you convulsed in pain and agony and died. And it wasn't the physical suffering, but when the entire world became a holy of holies and no light came in and darkness fell upon the face of the earth and you cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you did that for us as you offered your own blood on the heavenly altar, on the heavenly mercy seat so that we could be free. And Lord, do we just shrug our shoulders and go, yeah, I'm saved. Uh, yeah, I go to church. Uh-huh, I'm a Christian. Or Lord, are we truly grateful? Lord, I, I can't bring conviction in anybody's life. I can't bring conviction in my own life. But I ask that you bring conviction in all of our lives. And that today, right now, in the name of Jesus, all of us, Lord, you would speak into our heart. And probably the camera will go off in a minute and the service will be ended for those that are listening. But I pray that you will continue in prayer until God meets you. Pastor Andy, would you come play for just a minute? I'm not sure that's what we ought to do, but come, come on, would you just come play quietly? And I just, while we're seated, I'm not even going to ask us to stand up. But if God's just laid on your heart to pray for anything, just to pray that 
Pray for your prayerlessness. Pray for your lack of faith. Pray for your... <laughs> pray that you don't want to pray. Whatever God is, is saying to you. If he's not saying anything to you, don't do anything. But if he is speaking to your heart, would you just come join me at the front? I'm just going to kneel here on the pulpit area. And in a minute, we'll just ask God to do his will in our life. And that we would actually turn from our sin. Not look at our sin, but turn, look at the cross. Put our sin in behind us and repent walk away from our sin and into the arms of christ that we would be diligent so that our love doesn't grow cold that we would not be apathetic but we'd be diligent in reading the scripture and prayer and speaking to someone else about jesus i'll just give you a minute to come on down and then i'm just going to lead us in a prayer Father, as we fall at your feet, as we come boldly into the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in time of need, Lord, we need you more than ever before. Lord, so many people in this room, and if they hear this online, even there, so many of us are weary and tired that we've become to grow tired this year as we've seen this thing and that thing go on. But you said in your word, if footmen tire you, what are, you going, what are horses going to do to you? Lord, we've not even suffered yet. We've not even begun to suffer yet. And yet we've already grown weary. And so, Lord, we just ask right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I, I've listed ten things. I thank you, Lord, for laying those on Dr. Lawless's heart to share with us. But, Lord, I pray that the truth of your word would come into our heart and our mind and our life right now. And Lord, that you would reveal our secret sin to us, our secret faults, and that we would fall at your altar, the altar of grace there at the foot of the cross at the mercy seat in heaven. And we would say, Lord, may your blood speak for us. Cleanse us. Cleanse us with your hyssop. May your blood cleanse us. As you said in 1 John uh, chapter 1 and verse 9, chapter 4, verse 9, Lord, that we'd be cleansed of our sin and we would truly be repentant before you. Lord, we want you to do a mighty act and work in this body. We want Calvary not to be known as Calvary, but as we want you to be known through Calvary. And so, Lord, we don't want to pray in a way that makes us look good. We want to pray in a way that makes you look good. And that's a tougher thing. We can make ourselves look good in the world's eyes, but that's not what we want. Lord, we won't even look good in some other Christians' lives if we follow your will. And so, Lord, I pray that we would not care one whit what the world or others think. We would only care what you think. I thank you, God, for churches that are meeting this morning that need your grace. God, pour out your spirit on your body. Lord, when we look at this world, we realize you're calling us to repentance and to prayer. Oh, God, may we repent and be in prayer for your will to be done in our life, the life of this church, the life of your body around the world. 
May we reach into the darkness with the light that shines brighter than any darkness that the darkness cannot overcome it. For you are the light of the world, but the world loved darkness rather than light. But Lord, when your light comes in, darkness has to flee. And so Lord, we ask that we would be lights to the world, showing the great light of our Lord and Savior. We'd be like the moon, reflecting the light of the sun into a dark spot so that we can see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. The people would be saved. Lord, may we never get over the wonder of our salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.